0: Gaming NBS episode 130. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean.
1: And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Good to have you all here, folks. Yeah. so Sean, we got. I gotta say, we gotta gotta do this now. So Sean's wife, his wonderful, lovely wife, looked him in the eye and said, Yo, oh, we need to do, honey. We need to go motorcycle shopping." And Sean, like any good husband, said, "All right, I'll go. I hate doing that stuff, but I'll go anyway." So kudos to you, Sean. Just wanted to say that that you took one. You know, right there. That's just that's how you keep a marriage alive. That's what you do.
0: Yeah, dude, <laughs> I don't even. It's crazy, man. She's she wants to ride more, I guess, and she wants to be more comfortable, which I I can respect.
1: I was uh, <laughs> what made me laugh was I told Susan, and then she's like, "Well, that's that's really cool." She's like, "Then maybe Tam and I can go for a ride because we got bigger bikes now and they're more comfortable." I'm like, "Yeah, that's true." You know, we get the ladies out, we can all go for a ride as a, as couples. That would be kind of cool, and then. After that, I, I was thinking, like, yeah, my wife is the same one who said, oh, you're going to go to GaryCon, so need a little extra money to do that with? How about we uh, carve off a couple extra? I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take that, I suppose. If that'll, that'll make you happy, dear, I'll be happy. I think what she's doing is just paying me off so I get out of the house is what it is. That's probably more than anything else, but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, totally. So speaking of, we've mentioned this before, excuse me, we are, <clears throat> Sean and Brett are still going to GaryCon. We've got a host of, <clears throat> excuse me, listeners and friends of us and of the show and other things. It's not just about us and the show, but it'll just be really cool to see a number of people there that we interact with on Google+, Plus, Facebook, and Twitter, and all sorts of other places. So hopefully um we'll have a chance to say hi shake hands kiss babies and drink beer with folks and maybe get some gaming in as well so then looking forward to that it's only in a couple weeks too dude It's like what two weeks or something i think it's two weeks because it's 23rd 4 5 and 6 so of uh, march coming up quick
0: uh it's gonna uh shoot oh yeah 2017 by the way so in yeah, case people listen to this in 2018 we may not be going. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we are. But anyways, 2017. Because since this is, many of our shows are not as evergreen as they could be.
1: That's true, especially when we talk about things like this. Yeah. All right. That's um. I think that's the only. Oh, and that GaryCon I'll have some. I'll have my uh, little Evercon flyers. Want to try to get more folks aware of the Evercon environment for Evercon 2018, which will be in January again, of course. So.
0: Cool. I heard you were giving out giving out money, Brett, with those flyers.
1: I, I might have to. We'll see. The first hundred. If you come up to me and say, "Hey, do you have any of that money left?" and I say no, that means you're not one of the first hundred people. That's what that means. Wow. Yeah. So just ask. If I say no, that means you're just too late. Sorry, I only have so much oh. cash. Yeah. Well. you <laughs> could try. Speaking of changes and weird things, anyway, Sean, we've did uh, you did a little uh, tweaking on the old Patreon, did you not, sir?
0: I did. So one thing that has been kind of eaten away with me at Patreon is, one, we've fiddled with it a little bit and, and wanted to put in reward levels and backer levels and this and that. And one of the things that I didn't want to do is make it, um well, we talk about, you know, welcoming, welcoming people into the hobby, getting to know people, blah, blah, blah. I didn't want it to alienate anybody. Uh, no matter what, you know, if they were listening, great. If they were contributing, great. Like the Patreon we put out there to cover our costs, you know, like hosting and, you know, so that it's not taking money out of our pockets every month. Yes. And, right. And we had a, we had some levels. One was like a $5 backer level where we would get out a digital reward and Brett would supply that. And we don't have a ton of people that do that, but, um, we, I kind of want, folks if they want to give and support the show um to do it out of the graciousness of their hearts to help us in that capacity and if if they're looking for an award reward i get it i do but it's it's probably i mean we'll give out early we'll give things out early but we want to give everybody whatever we produce i think to some degree
1: yeah i mean i was Sean and i were talking about it off off the mics and i said you know if we start the If Sean or Brett comes up with, like, a one-page dungeon or, hey, I did this really cool thing. I think I could share it out with somebody. The Patreons are the first group that we'll share it out with. You know, like, hey, here's a a map I drew, blah. There's no reason that we can't hand that out to any all in sundry who are in the Patreon, regardless of pledge level. doesn't really matter to us.
0: I don't want it to be a a, a club club. Like, if if you're not giving, you're kind of on the outside. Even though you listen and you like us or whatever.
1: Maybe you don't like us and you listen to us and you just like to torment yourself. Yeah. Some sort of masochistic approach.
0: And that's okay.
1: Absolutely. Um, Everyone's got a thing.
0: You know, but uh, so we're, we're, and we're open to feedback. I mean, I haven't pulled them down yet. Um, We, I would anticipate if somebody is looking for something um, for us to give them on a consistent basis and we don't do that. And that's the reason why they're giving that they would either retract their, their money. I totally get it. It's no no love loss, uh, I, not a big deal uh it, I mean it's it's your money, right? You do with it what you want. but uh so I one of the things that and Brett and I haven't gotten into this a ton, but um, and and divulged it to everybody, but one of the things I always always wanted to do is if I started a venture that had anything to do with money, it wasn't especially as it relates to gaming, was to try to give back to the community in one respect or another. And part of that is, so if we got a huge windfall of money, Brett and I, as much as we would love to retire, <laughs>
1: no, I, I don't,
0: it's not going to happen uh, that we know of. And even if we did get that uh, huge abundance uh, windfall from everybody and all our supporters, we I would really prefer it. Brett, I don't know about you, but I would prefer to try to reinvest that into the gaming community. So. What do I mean by that? So we would, if a con is happening, we would pay for an ad in their program. Now, somebody would say, well, you're just doing that to advertise. That benefits you. Yes, that may be true. However, it's supporting the con by giving them money.
1: And we've toyed around well, with maybe the idea we, of- Maybe
0: we can't. Yeah, maybe we can't <clears throat> get there. So mm-hmm. we take it a full page and pay them a hundred bucks.
1: You know, and what do we do if we've got, we've had people say, hey, I'm going to go to this con. Do you have any- bs pencils or buttons and stuff that you could send out. We do have some. Um, and like last game, we'll we had a really good time, got some beer, had a little happy hour thing. We want to keep that going. The money that we make off the Patreon goes directly into the beer fund as well as, you know, when we have beer glasses and a couple of things we gave away. But that was all paid for through that stuff. I, You know, it, it covers the bills. And then when we get something fun to do, then we just make sure that we buy some fun shit that we could give away. Right. So that's kind of what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. So we want to do con kits for people. That's a really big thing for me to tackle that I want to do. And I want it in a, I'd love, I envision a pre printed little cardboard box about the size of like a, an iPad, kind of that size. And then putting in, you know, pencils and maybe some dice and bookmarks and buttons. And when you run a game and you want to say, you know, we're running this be you know, because of gaming pass, or even if you don't say that and you just say, Hey, I'm part of this community. And I don't know if you guys have heard of these guys, but they gave us some stuff to give out kind of like the dungeon crawl classics roadshow. Um, they do that. Um, yep, so when absolutely. you run games for Goodman games and DCC, you can ask them for that and they'll send you a little kit and then you go to the con and you run DCC games and they give out all these little tchotchkes.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, Sean and I are going to do the show until we're sick of it, and which so far is not, not coming up. Um, we're going to do it, and if the patron were to fall flat and everyone says, you know what, I, I can't this month or I don't want to anymore, that's fine. We're still going to keep going. Um, what that does is it basically says, well, do we want to, can we afford to do the uh, the the kegger at game Gamehole? Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we just got to save our own shuckles and do it. All this does is just help us cover those costs so that we can do this shit. So anyway, hey. I mean, I think everybody gets it. It's not, um, it's not a huge money making venture for us by any stretch. So,
0: now, I don't. I want. I don't want to say it'll never change again. But if it just makes a bit of sense in doing it in a particular way, then we're open to that. And I mean, there's been one individual that I mentioned, like you should change the re the the level, the goals, right? So the goals is when we sit down and say, hey, if we get $20 a show or $5 a show that'll cover our hosting. And, and that's that. And once we hit that, we accomplish it and say, yay. But I mean, we're using Zencaster. We've switched over. So now that's going to be an additional cost. Um, maybe Brett and I got some shitty internet connections and we want to boost that up so we can do video. Cause that's one thing we kicked is video because we just, our pipes are too small and it's not getting enough upload speed and it's turned out to be crap if we made enough money, would we be able, we'll, you know, we'll put that down as a goal and we'll run fiber to our house or whatever that looks like.
1: God, that'd be awesome. Uh, I know. <laughs> even, right? even if all I used it for was that, that would be so freaking cool. Anyway. You know,
0: or if we could, if we made enough money, we would go to all kinds of cons and we would run all kinds of games for everybody.
1: And, and, you know,
0: it wouldn't be a big deal because financially we would be able to do it. You know, it's some of those things where it was, uh, it's not so Brett and I can kick back and, Say, sweet man, you know we got a windfall, and let's go sit my ties somewhere. It's giving it back anyway. Anyway,
1: that's enough of that. Or crap. even
0: even supporting backers like Kickstarter, oh, yeah. maybe Brett and I. Brett and I say, hey, you know we know this person; they're creating something. We should kick them a few bucks or whatever. I don't know what that looks like. That's a damn good
1: idea. Anyway, I guess the uh, the short of it here is that we we want to make it so it's um, pretty much open to everybody. Whatever we produce early, uh, early release stuff. Free stuff, stuff we want to give out. Anyone who's in, in part of the Patreon will be involved in that. We, you'll have a hand in it. And as always, you're our listeners, and you people are smarter than we are. So if you've got a better idea or a different way, you like, hey, I've been thinking about this, or you said something that made me think X. Fucking, a, send it over to us. We can. Um, we've been wrong before, and chances <laughs> are we'll be wrong again. So uh, send it over, and if we, uh, well, if it's a good idea, hell, we could change it up again. It's malleable. Yeah, it's, it's the internet. Alright, let's uh let's get into random encounter. Let's do it.
0: All right. Random encounter, got a few to get through. Uh go
1: ahead, <clears throat> Brett, you can start. You betcha, Victor Wyatt. Something else I missed in the potions episode was PC making potions. PCs making potions. At low level, they get potions as treasure, and at higher levels they make these potions for their group, and some take look, and some Ugh. They make potions for their group to take some load of the magic users because of the limitation of spells per day. How do you handle characters making potions and other magic items for group use? Uh, some games have rules for this, but some don't. You know, Victor, that's a damn good idea, and that's going in the uh, the topic bin because that is a piece that I have had, I've struggled with, not so much potions. I am, Actually, scrolls are usually pretty, yeah, all right, fine, I'll make a couple scrolls, I'll do this. It just seems easy but the concept of alchemy and potions, and then I want to make five plus one swords or whatever the the system would allow. That's uh that's an interesting topic. I like that. That's a good point, though, Victor. We did not cover that bit, and that is a, another perspective on potions and other magic items. So into the topic bin it goes. Over to you, sir.
0: Uh, Jared Rasher continues on the same topic. The alchemy tradition in Shadow of the Demon Lord is interesting. Depending on what spells you learn, it can feel a bit more, quote-unquote, acid thrower, much like the Pathfinder alchemist can feel, quote-unquote, mad bomber. But if you combine the tradition with some others and pick the more mad science-feeling spells, it can be a solid way to represent an alchemist. So uh, Jared chiming in with a little bit of flair that you can throw in to to potions and, and alchemy. I'll tell you, I'll tell
1: you the the Shadow of the Demon Lord thing, I've, let's see, Jared's brought it up, a few other people have shown it to me, and when we stopped to saw Michael Dresher, Michael's like, hey guys, look at this. I'm like, oh my god, it just seems like, it, I gotta get it. I think I'm just gonna have to pick it up, so I can parse through it. Even if I don't run it as it is, I'll steal a whole bunch of shit out of it, so.
0: <sighs> yeah, it is very, it is very tempting, it, and it, it has piqued my curiosity quite a bit, and Rob Schwab's gonna be at hole Con, and I listened to Rob Schwab when he was on Talking Tabletop with uh, Jim McClure over there, and I, I, I like, I, I was very impressed with Rob, and I've never met him, but I, I loved his style. Cool, it's pizzazz. yeah.
1: Anyways, right. so we've got James Carruthers up next. Hi again, Sean and Brett. Just finished listening to the Fighter Podcast. As you, as your dedicated listener, I feel obliged to give you some feedback because you think you're onto something, but perhaps you only hit half of it. Well, that's that's not bad, Sean. That's half more than half? we really hit. That's pretty good. all
0: right. We're we're moving up. Woo, yeah.
1: Not bad. All right. (sighs) Mr. Carothers continues. I was really looking forward to this episode. Truth is, I quite enjoyed it because I always enjoy your banter. But over half the discussion on the fighter was really, really basic definitions of the class, describing it, explaining it. I suppose you know your audience best, but I found myself thinking that if you had many others... Uh, many others in among your listeners, like me, who already de- who are already dedicated D&D RPG players, the time spent merely defining what is a fighter was ill-spent. I think it's safe to assume that we, your listeners, all know what a fighter is. Hmm. Fair point, James.
0: Well, yes. And and I don't know if we spelled it out as much as we should. It's the player series that probably... I, I'm thinking of, you're a GM, you got a new player, they don't know how to play, you're going to give them a fighter, and before you do, just you say... Go listen to this show. It'll help you understand what your role is as a fighter, not people who've been playing 20 years, typically.
1: Fair point. And the other right? thing that's interesting, actually, is that I've had, I've had the conversation about what is a fighter with 10, 15, 20-year veterans, and we've argued about it in the past. So I do get what, I do get what James is saying, though. It perhaps you know, looking at the time spent on that, we can perhaps shrink it down a touch. He continues, as part of your fighter discussion that started to really get interesting was towards the end when you talked about role-playing styles and options and other considerations like backstory and colorful lines for the fighter. That was interesting and fun. I wish this critique could be more constructive because, as I said, I think you're onto something. And as your listener, I want you to know I look forward to more episodes in your player series. Unfortunately, I don't quite know what it is I want to hear, but only that I don't need to hear the class defined and described beyond a quick, simple opening to set the grounds for the meat of the banter. Good point. If I am totally off base and this was intentionally designed for non-gamers and new players, then my bad. To me, however, it didn't seem to match your usual style, which brings interesting, creative, deep thoughts on topics that, I think, are more for an experienced audience. All the best and keep up the BS. Love your podcast. Well, James, I think, again, it's a good um, – it's a really good critique, I think, and a good couple points. If we can modify – it was the first in the player series. We chose Fighter because it was the easier one that we could think of offhand um, – I think if we, when we go back at the next one, it will be uh, worth perhaps tweaking a little bit and see if we can can't get better. Good stuff, thanks, man.
0: Yes, most excellent, thank you. Uh, Blake Ryan emails us regarding all bards. I ran a game on Greyhawk using Pathfinder rules. The party were sent by King of Nirund into the fallen great kingdom to disrupt evil churches churches as hold on the land they did this as a traveling band of musicians doing performances in open theaters and taverns undercover they sabotaged evil churches and noble houses setting them against each other naturally when a few musical cont- contests came up they sabotaged their rivals too everyone had a singing instrument slash instrument skill it was a lot of fun i think the game worked because they had ongoing goals reasons to interact with npcs and leeway to get creative in their adventures.
1: That's good stuff. That is, I like. I mean, Blake's onto something there, right? I mean, that excuse me, that last piece, leeway to get creative in their adventures. And part of that not only comes, Blake, from just the party itself, but the you as game master. They there have that leeway, and they can do that because we always give Sean shit saying these, you know, the train conductor and stuff. But I played with Sean, and there's leeway. There's places to go, right? While he's running, and if you have that space, you can go left instead of right. Hey, maybe check this out. Find something a little more interesting. You can always, if you are going to run a train, you can always reset those tracks, right, and just move them to where you need them need them to be. So, good stuff, man. <coughs> All right, Steve Orlick comes back at us with email. And says, "Hey, little BSers, I have a question slash possible topic for you. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on who really controls the game—the GM or the players?" I guess it's geared more towards Brett since we all know tra- Sean has that train thing going on. Hey, foreshadowing. As a GM and player, I prefer my games to be story-rich and role-play heavy. I prepare the current campaign I'm running to be just that. Unfortunately, the players at the table just won't take it there. One of the players is more concerned with being the class clown at the table, cracking jokes, and other shenanigans. Ooh, he used the word shenanigans. He gets points for that. Uh, another is too busy playing host, making coffee, grabbing snacks, and constantly leaving the table. Yet another player is playing through Skype, which brings challenges of its own. The last player is a veteran who's been playing and GMing for 30 plus years, who's willing to buy in, but gave up trying because of all the other players' antics. With all the distractions and momentum killers, the type of game I want to run is near impossible. The table dynamic is what it is. That's what got me wondering about this topic. If I bring the train, the passengers would probably jump off. So I. uh, If I bring the train, excuse me. If I bring the train, the passengers would most probably jump off. So I basically have to grin and bear it. It leaves me leaning towards players controlling the game more than the GM. Thoughts? Says Steve. Hmm. Mm Hmm. Hmm. That is interesting because it's almost not uh, out of that group. I mean, it's it's goofy because I think, Sean, you've had those type of people at the table before. I know I have. You know, and it's not that the person being a clown is the disruptive more so. But then the person who gets up and leaves the table all the time, oh I'll get you a beer, oh I'll get some sort, oh I'll go I got some popcorn coming, hang on a second, that can be just as distracting and cause everyone to disengage from what's going on as anything else. So that's a different uh that's interesting. That's kind of wow, hmm, damn. That's a lot going on there.
0: I am a firm believer in group dynamic. And if you are playing, let me rephrase that. If I am playing with a group that just is not conducive to the way that I would prefer to play a role-playing game. And it really has to take like, like kind of what you're talking about, Steve, uh, a, a huge, not huge. It has to be many players that are affecting it. Um, I, I got to find another group. And I, I have had no qualms with the people I've played with in the past. And it's not, it's not really personal. Really, um, it's kind of weird. I, I've run into this on a couple of different occasions. Like I have buddies of mine. I mean, I, I've got my buddy Jeff. I've known him for, God, now it's been 40 years. And we that's how I know him. I grew up with him. We've gamed together. The dude's like my brother. But at the same time, if we're in a group together and it's not the way we want to game, maybe we've grown in a different direction or whatever that is. It's not to say that he's not my friend. I can game with other people, and he doesn't hold that against me. So that's kind of weird, but I'm not getting into a psychological course here. But I just think that if you are not happy, especially nowadays with the internet, right? Before we were growing up, Brett, you probably only had like your group in the town that was playing. And to go off and meet with strangers to play might be like completely unheard of.
1: Yeah and if I mean if you have we've said this type of thing before right oh you can always retreat to the internet you can find other like-minded people oh you can always retreat to your local gaming store right <clears throat> sometimes though you don't want to do that right you know and i think i think of not you on know, steve's steve's question at the end you know who controls the game players or the game master this leads a little bit into uh this isn't even about you know, character-driven versus something else, but, you know, what will the players allow to happen at the table? Because you as Game Master can spin the most amazing of paranoia yarns where everybody is, it's you against the computer and it's crazy and there's shit falling from the sky and people blown up and, all, and if everyone at the table is like, we don't want to do that, I want to play uh, Glenn Cook's The Black Company game, why are we playing this? You've got a disconnect on your hands, and it might be, hmm, Anyway, I think I think this may hate to do this, Steve, but I think this might definitely be a show topic here, man. I think this is uh, bears a little more intelligent discourse than we're going to be able to throw out of here before we get into the main one. So I'll put it in the list.
0: Sounds good. Yeah, thanks for writing that in, Steve. And we do see where you're coming from, and definitely warrants some additional discussion. Absolutely. Uh, Next, your sir, Crim Crim fan. Various reactions to today's show. Uh, shoot. I can't remember which, which show he commented on. I think it was the last one. I think it might have been Potions. I don't know. Uh, accent. Yep, you guys definitely have Wisconsin accents.
1: It was pot- It was while- Potions, by the way. It, it was, was potions. potions. I checked.
0: I lived there for a while when I was young and have family there. While I don't have it because I've lived in too many different parts of the country to have a consistent accent, I recognize it. Okay. Hey there.
1: <laughs> yeah there, hey. You know? You yeah, know. Eh?
0: Don't overthink the monsters. Definitely worthwhile advice. You can break monsters out of their boxes. I had a rather lengthy comment about Raksasha on a previous show. They are usually thought of as a mastermind monster, but I pretty much focused on them as a trickster or source of mayhem. I tailored it a bit uh, referentially to the players. One of the players was a Heroes of Might Magic 3 nut back in the day and his PC is named after Ham the third hero. Ham three hero? Ham the third.
1: Heroes of Might and Magic not, three. That's Ham.
0: Oh, I got Ah, duh. Acronym? Acronym. <laughs> acronym, he threw it in there. It threw me for a loop. Hey, with some of those monsters, source the table. If the characters keep going on about how they fear a dragon, make it happen. Maybe the dragon is a younger one that was just driven out of its territory by a bigger dragon, and it is uh, looking for new digs. Or maybe it's out hunting. Or have a group of kobolds walking around with a fake dragon suit first just to screw with them and get them to let their guards down. Medicinal qualities of RPGs. Yep, I wonder if you guys would want to recruit a guest for this. I'm not offering myself as I wouldn't claim to be qualified either, though I definitely found that RPGs have helped me get through some really dark times. Sometimes I've wondered if they hurt me, too. For instance, by encouraging my tendencies to, for brainy introversion. So, this isn't necessarily an unmixed blessing.
1: Mm, interesting. Online
0: thought. play. Yeah, online play. Increasingly, my gaming has been online or partially online. It's let me rekindle some gaming relationships from the past that were a lot more uh, simpatico than various people I've found in person where I live. Some things seem to make it work better than others. For instance, the DM really needs to make sure that online players can speak and aren't overrun by players in the room or that the online players use mute effectively when there's environmental noise on their end. Radio discipline is pretty important as is combat turn speed because it's really easy to tune out when turn length gets long. I definitely like you guys to discuss it. I don't think we got online. I got written that written down too. Uh consumables. They are a good thing. Uh, a good thing is a way to make characters more temporarily powerful or capable. In a long ago e game, my fighter mage character had oil of impact, which was fine, but eh. Well, then fighting a highly magic-resistant monster that needed plus three weapons to hit, and I only had a plus two sword, it got applied to my fist, which had been enhanced with fist of stone, and beat it to death.
1: Which is one of the most... Fun ways to death anything is with your bare fists. Just saying. From a friend of mine told me about it. Anyway, carry on.
0: There, you, you heard it there first. <laughs> well, maybe not. At least from Brett.
1: Anyway, carry on.
0: Total, natal, ta- total nail biter of a fight. I think consumables can be cool at high levels, but the DM needs to know what uh, your party really needs. Healing potions can also be a way to make a low healing game work, even at higher levels. No cleric in the group. Uh, you really value your healing potions, even the lesser ones. In five E, a healing potion isn't great in combat, but sure is useful as a way to sub out for hit dice. And consumables definitely make for good RP. Your idea of temporary hit points, hit de- temporary hit point potions, perfect. I'm gonna steal that. Sweet.
1: Croom fans written into us. Crim fans written to us before, and always good. Good feedback from the Crim fan. Well, everybody, but Crim fans got some really good stuff in here. I like this. I think the don't overthink the monsters is a good point, and that kind of goes back to <clears throat> what some of the feedback we've gotten around dragons and a few other things. Sometimes it is fun to look at monsters and crack them out of the box and how can you use them better. And then other times you can get caught up in uh, a bizarre uh, philosophical debate about monster this, monster that. And at the end of the day, like, it's a fucking monster. Just fight it. You know, I mean, it's kind of like the fighter concept. Punch it in the face.
0: Oh, Brad's got a cough. Sneeze. uh, Kachoo there. He was uh, muted.
1: I was going to blow Sean's eardrums out if I didn't take care of that. (laughs) Anyway, now we got Todd Crapper. uh, Comments on G+, plus about Fighters. Enjoyed the episode on Fighters, and it brought back uh, some memories about one of my favorite PCs of all time. We start off with nothing more than a desire to not die all the fucking time. Excuse me. Impressed (laughs) memories. (laughs) I read this when it came on G+, plus. laughed my ass off. Um Back in my AD&D days, I was going through PCs with a matter of hours. Druids, balladins, thieves, you name it. I got them killed in no time. So I approached the DM and said, I just want to play a fighter. Nothing fancy, no spells, no special abilities, just a fighter. Let me have one with 18 strength. I roll a percentile. Let's just do this. He agreed, and so Marcus was born. But the DM had something extra in mind. At the start of Marcus's first session, the DM pulled me aside and said I had a secret mission. I was sent by my king to, quote-unquote, aid the party in retrieving an artifact within his borders, but I was to ensure they would fail. A short, suicide mission. From there, I started to build up a reason why Marcus would do this beyond simply following orders, uh, such as why he would have been chosen when there were so many younger, more naive subjects to go in his stead. And so I decided Marcus was dying of cancer. While the rest of the party accepted him as one of their own, I was plotting against them and waiting to take my move. Until Marcus was almost killed, and the cleric brought him back from the brink. The DM told me, I no longer had cancer. My actual face turned pale and looked at the DM. There's no way Marcus could go through with it now. He shrugged his shoulders, and while the other players wondered what was going on, I told them everything. And they forgave me, right there on the spot. Even after I tried to kill their gnome henchman. <laughs> Fuck, I hate gnomes, she says. <laughs> from that day on, Marcus was the party's loyal defender, even with the gnome. And became a traitor to his kingdom. Everything that happened as a result of that adventure shaped the character during play, rather than during character creation. Maybe that's why so many of our characters seem to fall flat. We can never live up to our expectations in the game. We give them backgrounds, comparing them to epic heroes of old, without thinking perhaps maybe we should just treat them like first-level noobs. Sometimes you just need to stick to the basics and let the game shape your character, and fighters are the best at that. Simple, and yet incredibly effective. They kill shit real good, too. <laughs> it's been 20 years since I rolled the bones for Marcus, but I could pick up where I left off a moment's notice. And uh, as he started off as nothing more than a fighter with 18 strength who didn't die in the first session. Another great episode, boys. Oh, and don't lose that Australian accent, Sean. It's the right balance of good and terrible, mate. <laughs> All right. That was awesome. Very cool. I love that story.
0: Very nice. Thank you very much. Thank really you very much. Joe Swick, last one, folks. Joe Swick, hey guys, enjoyed the latest episode on potions. It reminds me of two things. One, my friend who carried a purple potion through roughly 20 hero quest quests before drinking it in the heat of a huge battle. The wizard was first in the room of almost every undead beastie in the game, followed by him, the dwarf. He stood in the doorway, chugged the potion, and turned to stone, cutting (laughs) the barbarian and elf off From the low on body points wizard, low on body points uh, wizard, it had only lasted five turns, but the impact was had.
1: Oh, lovely. Hero Quest, just for those who don't remember, is an old board game. It's all like one inch squares and there's no, I slide past him. Nope. (laughs) If he's blocking the square, y'all fucked. (laughs) You can't get by it. Oh, that's brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal.
0: Uh, number two, in my D&D 5e game, my players are carrying around what they were told were healing potions, but they were off in color and they're all afraid to drink them. <laughs> You're going to drink it? Yep. You sure?
1: It's kind of bluish.
0: <laughs> One of them is a dwarf, the dwarf from the Hero Quest game. <laughs> I've secretly sent them to be a double strength healing potion and give them advantage on their next attack roll, but they won't touch them. I can't wait. <laughs> Keep it up, guys. Thanks for the show and all you guys do for the RPG community.
1: Oh, that is awesome. That's that's funny. I figured when Sean and I did it, um, that topic and went potions, we would some of these stories would come out of the woodwork, and those are cool. <laughs> I distinctly remember at one point. I don't think I told this one in the show, but a friend of mine had a paladin that was twelfth level, first ed d and D paladin. Corey loved that guy. Sir, whomever in hell it was. I can't remember the character's name. All I remember was the the point where he died, where he picked up the big potion, this double-sized thing, sniffed it, and Eric looked at him and said, Corey, it smells like turpentine. Ah, must be some kind of man. He downed it? It's like, it's turpentine. It's poison. (laughs) Make a saving throw. He rolled a one. Boom. And this is save or die time, boys and girls. So guess what happened? The paladin died. Oh, that was almost a table flip. That was bad. Oh, that was bad. Anyway, thank you, everybody. Right, for Thank you all for writing in. That's good stuff. These are always good. Love it, love it.
0: Yes. Thank you very much. We had a, quite a few this week, so we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Let's get into the main topic. I bet you when they see the title of this, Brett, they're going to think, I'm going to do this whole thing in, in a different voice.
1: I hope they don't. Um, (laughs) so, uh, your quote unquote funny voices, Sean, I've, have joked about it around accents, speech patterns and so forth. Um, but I really think, um, we know Sean does it. And I think I've mentioned that I change up the voice sometimes during gameplay as well. And I really think there's some, there's some power to it. Not only just accents trying to sound Scottish, Australian, um, you know, someone from a certain part of South America or Africa or wherever you're coming from, but also just speech patterns, just verbal tools, because role playing is pretty much a verbal, verbal media. You can have minis, you get maps and stuff, but it's all verbal questions, answers, description, descriptive power. And those things really help. So, Sean, um, so the things I came up with off the top of my head, I shouldn't say off the top, I thought about this for a bit is why the hell do we even want to use different voices for PCs and PCs? Um, I'll say this up front, too. I also think that as a player character, it's a lot easier to do funny voices or different voices or speech patterns than it is as a game master. I say that because you have one to remember. As a game master, if you pepper your entire you know tavern where the players meet for the first time, with 10 different NPCs and they all talk funny. <laughs> that's a lot to remember. So make your notes. But I do it mostly because I want the character to be memorable. And when you hear that voice, whatever that is, that accent, that tone, that pitch, that warbly voice or that cracky crone's tone, that's a thing you remember. So Sean, what's that,
0: Brett? What's that? Who's that, Brett? What's that? Who is that? Who's that? Who's what? Who is your most memorable man? You 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 just kind of pitched it <coughs> out there, man. Oh. People are rolling over, wondering like, oh, well, all right, give us give us your one of your one of your top ones, bro.
1: <coughs> oh, geez. So one of my favorite ones to do is uh just talking really fast and rambling. So they'll run into somebody like a super brainiac person, like I Oh, Oh, nice to meet you. My name is uh, Simon. I'm from the uh, Lord Bishop and Lord. Well, you know who Lord Bishop is? He's that guy. He he lives up in the tower. He sent me down here because it was just crazy because we had dinner and then we blah 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 blah. blah. So I. I talk like my mother, which means it'll take me about five hours to tell you a five-minute story and talk really fast. So if you want to know what Rita sounds like, that's what Rita sounds like.
0: And now you know Brett's mom's name. <laughs>
1: I know Brett's And what name. she sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, other, the other fun bit that is, the, is you do some kind of a, an old, per, old person voice. Hey, now, son. Hey there, boy, girl. What you doing? And that, that could be man, woman, child. Doesn't matter. That old, crone, haggard old man voice. Is always fun. The one I found (laughs) that I have to, and this goes into a different bit later on is sometimes trying to do the, uh, the hayseed hick voice, you know, trying to trying to say, well, y'all now come on down here. They are. What's going on there. I can't hear nothing there, boy. That, that can be borderline offensive. Depends who you're playing with. Right. I mean, I've, I've played with men and women from, you know, Kentucky and various other places. And, uh, Using if you have a southern accent and you use it as a way to only be the voice for the dumbass, right? That's not that's that's offensive and that's a thing you need to watch. You want to need to watch your ass on, and you can't have every um every member of a certain gender all tend to sound a certain way. You need to mix that stuff up, right? You know, it's just it's it's a thing you need to watch. You need to watch because. If nothing else, when you, you, um, in my opinion, when you watch plenty of TV or movies or whatever, you hear certain voices. I mean, how many, <laughs> I've, I've talked to guys in the UK, like, really? Oh, it's an American TV, it's an American movie or American TV show. I bet the bad guy's British. Oh, look at that. He is because he sounds so much more evil because he's British for whatever reason. But that, that's a thing that you have to watch for. But so, Sean, one of my favorite guys that you, that you did was, of course, I haven't gamed with you as often as I gamed with others, but when you did, um, your uh it was kind of a bizarre, odd Sean's own accent, the uh the professor doctor in the trailer Cthulhu game. When he spoke, yes. everybody knew it was him. Like, oh it's that's Sean. He's in character.
0: Yes. That's right, Brett.
1: That was him. <laughs> that's right. I don't know what I'm doing. It was kind of a weird that's Right. Transylvanian, Dracula, French periodically, it just warble. Well, it
0: could be mistaken for something like that, but you never know. <laughs> exactly. It could be. It's hard to pinpoint.
1: I'll tell you, though, when when I said when you heard Sean do that, which was a cool part as a game master, even the other players, when Sean said that, he always he always he always used that in character. If there was an out-of-character question, it was Sean's regular voice. It was an in-character question. It was with that accent. So, excuse me, from when you listen to guys like Ed Greenwin's stuff and they say, look, everything you say at the table is in character unless you specifically call it that it's not. Having a mode of speech, an accent, or some kind of verbal tool like that as your character, everyone goes, oh, you know, Angela's playing this character. She always does this accent when she plays this person, her dwarf. Therefore, whenever she's talking like that, oh, Angela's in character right now. It's a real easy click. I find it it's it's just a nice verbal cue for me as the game master. When Sean asked me questions in that tone, in that accent, I went, Oh, that's a legitimate NPC or player character to NPC question. He Sean's not just asking Brett what, what time is it or something like that. He was always asking in game.
0: Sometimes I'd ask in character in game. So if I wanted to know if I wanted to know something that my character didn't know, I would Prompt it so that my character would ask Brett to fill that in, or the another player character or an NPC.
1: Yes, that was it. Was kind of Sean sourcing the table for himself, which is right. which is a thing anybody can do. But as as that character, you know, asking questions out loud. I don't know what time of day it is. Where who has a clock? Do you have a watch on you? Somebody here has to have a watch, and just doing that. You know, Kevin would be like, "Oh yeah, I guess I got a pocket watch on me." He pulls it out. It's just a little snippet of a role play session that the ro- role playing piece. Excuse me, that happens. So, Sean, one of the things I have I've tried to do in the past is to, and this isn't how do I say it? so from in lots of different national, even in, well, let's just pick on the U.S. right. So you go East Coast, West Coast. Different parts of the south, different parts of the north, midwest, blah, blah. We talked about at the beginning, you know, Midwestern accent, all that stuff that Sean and I have. Um having a an accent or a specific speech pattern can help denote where somebody's from. I have had a really hard time in my games doing that. Um, apart from saying, well the dwarves all sound gruff and earthy, blah, blah, blah. The elves are something very opposite that very nature y sounding <laughs> I don't you know, or whatever. I have a harder time picking, say, "Oh, the people in the south end of Avalon all sound like this." The the people in the noble section sound like this other thing. I don't remember that when I'm running it. Maybe that's just a note. Maybe that's just Brett needs to take better notes. Perspective, but have you ever been able to do that, or have you always kind of done uh, person by person as opposed to region? Have you ever done regions or just persons?
0: No, mostly persons. I think I, I've I've rarely run into somebody who's done a a bulk region, although it. I think now I'll write that down and say in the future, people from this region cannot pronounce their R's or they don't enunciate their R's. So no matter who they're speaking to in the rate and the accent, that may be, well, I should say that is the accent, right? Maybe they just don't, they don't know, they don't do hard R's or they do hard R's.
1: Everything is hard R. Yes. Okay. Yeah. R, right. It's very hard. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's goofy, but it, well, not goofy. <laughs> it is goofy. Different speech. They say a lot. I mean, Ken Haidt at one point on uh, Ken Robin talked about stuff. He was talking about how he uses ha- for people to talk to the deep ones. Well, now you see they come from this town. That's what they sound like. And he had, I'm aping it, but he had something like that. That's what everyone who came from Innsmouth or whatever sounded like that. And even if it's just the bad guys from this town or the bad guys from the Citadel or wherever all have a specific speech pattern, it's a wonderful clue that the players will suddenly start Will actually, – they'll ask you for, what does he sound like? Does he sound like that other guy who was from there? Yeah, he does. He sounds like that person who was down by the shore that time. Well, okay then. They're like, okay, are they related? Are they from the same area? Um, all those things start to come out. And so it's a v- – because it's a very verbal medium, it's what I'm expressing and displaying to you. Um, I joke about my mom. My mom does. She tends to talk really fast, add in all sorts of extraneous info regardless, which is probably one of the reasons why I ramble so badly. It's just genetic perhaps. Um, But if you listen to mom and she's go and she's talking, you'll find out everything about her best friend, Florence about Kelly, what happened over here, what's going on with my sister and the grandkids, all that stuff comes flooding out. So Players in my game, when I pull out the fast-talking, too much information person, they start paying rapt attention to what I'm saying and trying to pick out bits and pieces that could possibly be useful to try to narrow the conversation to where they want it to go. They're asking about, you know, where where this person was last seen on the docks, and the rambly person is just going on and on and on and on and on, and, on, and they get a clue that she says, well, you know, because Bertram was here. Wait a minute. I know that name. I know Bertram. Brett dropped Bertram. So what, wait, 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 wait. Go back, go back, go back there, Sally. What did you say about Bertram? Oh, yeah, Bertram was here, you know, because he works down the docks, too. Like, you're looking for someone at the docks. Yeah, because Bertram was down there. He was talking to my son, you know, Thomas, my oldest boy, Thomas, not the youngest boy, Tommy, blah, 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 blah. And you don't have to go on forever, but just clipping those pieces like that, there's these wonderful verbal clues that, again, your character who's playing the bard, as um, <clears throat> as we heard in our listener feedback above, who is role playing and trying to pick pieces out of the NPCs, it's a good way to drop clues. So long-winded, speaking quickly, overly cautious. Sean has pulled that one on uh, on us. As I was playing in a D anD D game, we we're talking to somebody. Was, well, uh, uh, well, yeah, 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 I guess you know. Well, just look, what's he doing? He's always looking over his shoulder. He's peeking over here. He's trying to see what's going on. He doesn't want to be heard. All those physical cues that you can describe, like oh he he speaks very furtively. He asks you what's going on. He seems nervous when he's talking. If you can sound like a nervous person, you know, and then it will get you the oh. Last time I talked to Sean's character, who's you know fighter Phytor from Fighterland and has killed many an orc, he's never sounded terrified before. Why is he acting scared right now? Is this isn't normal? Why why is this NPC talking like this? They've never sounded like that before. Is this a doppelganger? <laughs> is it is he really terrified? Is he under some weird kind of spell? Is he being controlled? Or something along those lines? So I guess anything you Sean, you got anything else you want to add in there? That was kind of kind of bumped around our notes a bit there. Just talking about the different information styles. No?
0: Yeah. No, it's good stuff, man. I uh might get a couple couple things to add at the end of this, this okay. discussion. that. To, but anyways, uh, I think another reason to do voices. So here's one thing I want to comment on. Because we always talk about funny voices, silly voices, funny voices. We always we always makes, make them sound silly. Like we say silly voices. That's why, true. why are they silly, right? That's true. Uh, so there's a, I think there's a connotation, there's a security element to this, right? So some people feel... That it's outside of their comfort zone, so they think it's I mean, I've had people say, so you play Dungeons and Dragons, so you talk in silly voices.
1: Like, oh, I don't know if I think they're silly. Yeah, it's like, are you talking down to me right now? You're being an arrogant prick. Is that your problem? No, they're not silly. It's a good point.
0: But good point. as cordial as cordial gamers, we don't we don't typically take offense to that because we take our hobby serious in some respects and not so serious in others, and that's great. Um, but I think it's something we kind of should work on. Like, I don't think when somebody now a silly voice to me would be like, you're playing tune and you are trying to be silly, like a silly voice.
1: Sound like Elmer Fudd or something goofy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but when you're playing D and D and you give somebody some character, then I don't, I don't, I think we should not be as hard on ourselves. And I think we should, Hey, you know, it's an art, it's a creative process. And that, I also think that it lends itself to, to be, it immerses people. For, so why would you want to do it, right? Yep. Why would you want to bring up? Brett touched on it, like, differentiating the different characters or NPCs, but also, like, the immersion piece, right? I just, it's very easy to get into games. And there are styles, and there's nothing wrong with those styles, but there are some styles of play where everything's talked about in third person. Like, I, my character does this, my character does that. Well, I tell them this. I tell them that. I say this. I say that. Um, And that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you know, if you started getting into a little bit of the role, the role play, then, you know, it may change the dynamic of certain scenes, right? If it's a social encounter, um, shoot, even fighting, like yelling your battle cry when you're Fytor.
1: No, no, absolutely. I, I think – so even if – one of the things you said there is that some, if you're self-conscious, right? You may have people at the gaming table who are like, look, I I don't want to talk like this then, Lundy. That's not what I'm here to do. You don't want to do that because you're uncomfortable doing it. You think it's you think you sound silly or you're like, well, that doesn't sound like a really good accent. I think it's kind of dumb. I don't want to do that. Then don't. You know, don't – they're the pieces you never pressure somebody into taking on a role in a way that they're uncomfortable with. I've had a number of people at the table do the third part. Well, I say this to him. Um, my girl says this to her, or I say this to him or her, blah, blah, blah. They always do that. I like in, for the most part, trying my best to respond as the person. So you may say, well, um, my character says to the bartender, you know, if, I just want to know if something's going on, or I'm just going to kind of ask around, and just see what that person has to say. And I'm like, well, you know, bartender picks up a glass, wipes it with a rag, do the <clears throat> do the hand in a mug, acting like you're wiping something up. Clean your hands and say, well, you know, I've seen a few people around. There hasn't been too much happening lately. I mean, is there something particular you're looking for, lady? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people around here now. And you come out with that. And they and the people that t- she may or he may, whoever's this prosecutor, go he, 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 or wow, you sound kind of goofy or whatever. Stick with those. Smile and go, yep, that's what he sounds like. He's a goofy dude. Really, he's got the big, yep, big smile. Oh, hey there, what's that to you, lad? Hey, come on up, I'll pour you a drink. You know, no matter how terrible of the sound <laughs> people may think is, that's the character that you're portraying. And you can third party me all you want by playing that bartender that way, and then it becomes something fun. And uh, <laughs> if you have a really interesting personality type, depending who's at the table, I've had players take turns coming up to speak to that individual just because they want to hear me... <laughs> Rack out whatever, <laughs> whatever the interesting uh, verbal sparring is for the day. So the immersion is really I'm looking, cool. I'm, cool, I'm looking,
0: f- I'm looking forward to episode six, of streets of Avalon, Brett.
1: Oh yeah. What do I? What am I? Oh,
0: <laughs> after this one, after this show.
1: Oh yeah. Let's see if I did it. <laughs> the other you, so another. Oh go ahead. No, I was gonna say the other piece is that I, as I said at the beginning, it's easier to do as a p- as a player than it is as an NPC. So depending who it is, sometimes I'm like, I'm totally in the mood to do accents for all the NPCs tonight. It's just going to be wacky speech patterns all around. Other times, I'm like, nope, don't feel it today. Doesn't doesn't work, doesn't whatever. I don't even think of it. And it just doesn't happen. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like, oh, I went through the whole night and I didn't get to use my, you know, my bizarre Viking in whatever con- uh, accent that I always wanted to pull out. Yeah, well, whatever. It's not the end of the world if you don't do it. Brett Yes. Do you th- do
0: you think that voice let's say for lack of better terms, voice acting in role-playing games as a game master makes you a better game master?
1: Hmm. It's a, it's a trick question. Well, see, if you uh, better uh, there's well so it makes you more entertaining. Right? It can be more entertaining. The trick is that the entertainment has to be connected. You can't just turn it into a, oh, suddenly it's a stand-up routine where the bartender gets up and, you know, sings an off-key sea chanty just because it seems like a thing that he would do. You can start like, oh, well, he's back in the bar singing his off-tune chanties again. He's drunk off his ass. Off you go. But you can't... It doesn't make you better. It adds a layer. It gives you a place that you can give out more information Makes a, a character memorable, um, tells somebody about the location, you know, how people act, what they think is important, and so forth. And those things help the entertainment value, I think, more than they make you better, in my opinion. Because better is. Yeah,
0: no, I. Yeah, it's relative. It is. Because right? yeah. a better GM could be just knowing the rules really well and better to somebody else it may not be better for another. Yep. I, I like, I mean, so if you were to have a choice in game, everything being equal, do you appreciate
1: that? Oh, I love it. I would much rather have, even if somebody, um, even if they don't go voice acting as far as a different voice, but just they themselves, excuse me, talking to me in character instead of, well, my character comes up to you, Sean, and she says, that uh, I want to ask about uh, that guy who we met. Uh, his name was Flip 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 Tobias. And I want to see if Tobias was actually there talking to his girlfriend. No. If you come up and tell me, you know, <clears throat> I kind of walk up to the individual, you know, I'm a fighter, he's a guardsman, you know, how's it going tonight? And then you start the back and forth and work your way in the conversation. Um, you may have to add some kind of scene notes, if you will, the things that you would um, from a theater perspective, say you know, hey, you know, what? As I say this, I walk over and hand him a hand him my hip flask. Cold night, huh? Well, that is more entertaining to me and more <clears throat> shows me you're into the story and that you want to do stuff than it is. Well, you know, I'll offer him some booze. I just I kind of want to see if I can get him off guard and talk to him a little bit. That's okay too. But getting into the character and speaking as a character, even if that's not with a quote unquote funny voice, but speaking as a character is is uh, I'd rather have that. Um, than somebody who knows the rules inside and out. That's my perspective anyway. Oh, interesting. So the other, you now we've talked about that for a bit and I hinted at, you can hurt people's feelings if you're not careful. I had a, I had a, a deep gnome, a Snurf Niblin one time and I gave him a really horrible lisp, like from the music man lisp. We're talking like this. And I did that. Um, I didn't realize that one of the guys in my group had a lisp because I didn't know the dude. He had a very subtle lisp, and I didn't notice it. And everyone at the table thought I was hilarious. And I went, oh. I, and then everybody, but, every, everybody but one. Everybody but one, yeah. one guy. And I'm like, wow, I'm a douchebag. That's what I am. I just mocked this man roundly in front of five other people. Okay. So pull the person aside, apologize, back the character down, stop doing that. And I uh, tell everybody, yeah, it's just it's not a good thing to do, blah blah blah, I'm gonna change the character. Up. I feel like a douche um so it's kind of the my <laughs> it kind of goes to my hesitancy of, hey, let's do the entire show in a funky Australian accent or in this weird Scottish accent. I'm not doing it right, and I don't want to offend somebody. Right. It's one thing to say, look, I'm going to do it. in." Dude, a- we've gone
0: over this. Exactly. Dude, we've gone over this. No. man. I'm not going to do no. an Aussie accent. It's no, my no, own. No.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying, is that when you do that, it's kind of a look, I'm doing this. And this is just it's not done in a way to mock anybody or hurt somebody's feelings. And it's a goofy thing. Right. It's sometimes you're playing a character who has this hard bitten, horrible background, who is beaten and abused as a child. And this is why they became the cop, the hard boiled cop they are. You don't know who's at the table, what their background may be. Some people that may be a thing that bothers them. They don't like that type of story, regardless of even if it's in your background. And I'm not saying to be overly sensitive about everything. And it's we've talked about this before, safety at the table and such. All I'm saying is if you do it, instead of – I think you hit it on the head there, Sean. Instead of always being silly or funny, go for something that makes your character memorable for immersion's sake, that makes your character – um, have more character than doing it because you want to get some laughs at the table. Don't do it because yeah, you think oh, don't yeah. do it. Well, that's yeah. that. I went for the stupid list because I thought this yeah. will be funny. And then I'm, then in that case, then I might as well roll right back to um, that concept of oh, who was saying it here. It was Steve, Steve Orlick. right? Then I'm the class clown at the game table and I'm a dick. Don't do that. Don't pick the, don't be funny for the sake of funny, you know, do it because that's the way your character talks. And sustainable, and it and it gives character to your character, not because you're looking to be a laugh riot for the next four hours at the table.
0: Well, that's because your gives your character, if they speak like that, they're not speaking like that to be funny. Just like anybody else that has some type of speech impediment, they're not they're not talking like no, that to be it's, funny, it's, right? It's, they're it's talking
1: because the, they have a yeah, absolutely. It's the method of delivery, right? Right. Instead of purposely going out of way to say words that are very hard for the character to say because of the impediment, right? They they right. have very hollow sounding vowels because they're deaf in one ear or whatever the case is. <clears throat> Don't go out of your way to do that thing. Is what I'm right. saying is it's it's all in delivery, and it's sometimes it's like good and bad and art versus not art. You know it when you see it, or you'll know it when you hear it. That's all I'm saying. Um, the other one. I really think that if you do it too much, um, I mentioned this before, is notes, and I am terrible at taking notes at the table. I'm trying to get better at this because I usually just rely on my memory, but that's not as good as it used to be. But if you are whipping up an NPC on the spot, as I tend to do, sometimes the the reason the accent or the different speech pattern doesn't always come up is because I'm like, I don't know if this character is going to last. I shit, should, I should have written this down. But it can be difficult to say every... The people run into five different guardsmen in town. They're all trying to talk to him. Instead of coming out with five different modes of speech every time, maybe just pick one of them. Make a note that guard's name is Chauncey, and Chauncey uh, is loud, overly loud. That's just how he talks. His normal speech volume is incredibly over the top. That's one thing to have versus all five of them, when in reality all five of them do have their own modes and methods of speech and so on. From a memorable perspective, you don't have to hit everybody is where I'm going. It's a volume thing. Do you see any downside, Sean, other than what? I mean, I kind of high-leveled like the mocking one and other stuff, but anything that you think is like bad or a downside?
0: No, I think we've hit them. And I think that it's a comfort level with individuals. So even if you have somebody in the group that wants to get into the theatrics piece of it, not everybody's going to want to do that. And that's okay that may even go back to the group you want to play with and the experience you want to have, right? Yes. So if you want everybody to be, you know, a thespian and nobody is but you, and it's not giving you the experience you want in gameplay, going back to like a social contract type of arrangement, that's okay. It's just something that you're going to have to be aware of. Uh, and then, you know, as a thespian, you probably don't want to push your thespianage on others. And that's... But if if it's not like I said the experience you want, then you you have to make a choice. Yeah. But you know you might be surprised. Like it. I'm gonna. We're gonna go. I have. I'm gonna. I'm jumping a little bit ahead. But I have eight simple ways to change your voice, and it doesn't have to get you out of your comfort zone.
1: You'd be surprised. So before we before we do that, I think you just hit on something there. It's that when. <clears throat> so one of the one of the downsides is that you want to do it, no one else at the table does. You can still go for it. One of the reasons I have seen in the past that people don't like other people doing it is because the men and women, some of them in the past, have all had to deal with the spotlight hog. And that man or, oh. that man or woman uses their great acting talent in order to That's... steal as much fucking spotlight as humanly possible.
0: Um, well, well, yes, of course, Brett. Uh, we have known to run into those on occasion. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. And it's one of those things that That is a reason, in my opinion, why I've seen people like, oh, God, don't do voices. Oh, don't do this. Two other player characters, two other player characters. Oftentimes, they don't seem to give a shit that the game master does it. But sometimes players will get the stink eye from the rest of the group like, oh, you're one of those. If you're going to do it. Good point. Don't be the spotlight hog asshole. Just play your character. Just when you speak, happen to speak in that format. Then you'll be fine. So, Sean, I think we should do it. Let's go right to some of it. You got eight simple ways. Is that what you're telling me? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you through the ropes, for Brett. All right, let's see what we can do. This is podcast gold right here, baby. <laughs> Mocking Brett on on, eight, on on film. Right?
0: No mock. No mock. Eight simple ways to change your voice. Okay. All right. Here's number one. Ready, Brett? Ready. Brett's gonna demonstrate. Huh. De- Brett's gonna demonstrate. Huh.
1: This was not prepared beforehand, people.
0: All right, Brett, holding your
1: nose as you speak. Like this? Yeah. There's a little bit like that, yeah. So, but, yeah, so what does your character do, Brett? Well, he's going to walk up to the guard. wants to ask him a couple questions. What do, you, what
0: do you say to the guard, Brett?
1: Hey there, Tommy. How you doing? I haven't seen you since last night. Smoke?
0: Whew. See, very subtle, right?
1: It's uncomfortable, but yeah,
0: <laughs> it is subtle. probably <laughs> for, for Brett, yeah. All right, number two, speak with a different expression. So, what this means is on your face, you change the expression on your face. So, make a mean face, Brett.
1: So, that's what it's, you know, kind of, I was going to say. That's nah, sounds like right now. That's not going to work. work. Nobody will no, know, no the no know the difference. Hey, Sean, how you doing, man? Feeling you feeling go. good? I love today. Today's awesome.
0: See, now you don't see Brett because this is audio, but Brett's eyes are real wide. He's got a big smile on his face. And that's his voice. It's inherently now. Try to speak regular
1: while you're doing like that, that Brett. Hey, Tommy, while you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's tough because you really want to go like, wow, crazy. Hey, Tom, how's it going? How's guard duty tonight? Kind of crazy. You smoke? It's hard. It's hard to change your voice
0: Ooh. if your expression doesn't match. It, it totally right? is. All right, number three, speak with a different posture. So. Maybe you're sitting way back in your chair, all slouched, or maybe you're hunched over, Brett, you're really hunched over
1: yeah. you got a big arc in your back that's right? actually when you're i when I've done the old crone voice right is you kinda you kind of well there what's why what's over there what are you doing Get away from that? come on over here it just it yeah, so it makes you feel like you're holding your breath while you talk, yeah,
0: so Brett's uh shoulders are all tight together and forward, and his Fist is out pointing, right, and he's got that voice, and that inherently attributes to some of that. Now, how about number four, mumble?
1: <laughs> it's like my one of my kids when they're in trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little earlier.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not really happy about it. I mean, I just want to go and see see what's going on. <laughs>
0: But see, that could be a character piece.
1: It could, right? yeah. You could have, you know, hey man. I mean, you know, I mean if you're looking for information, I man, I got information. I mean, if that's what you're looking for, I mean, I mean a couple hundred bucks, I mean, I'd be happy a, to help you out.
0: We're, we're, we're doing a podcast tonight. But we're probably going to be live around seven o'clock, and it's probably going to last about an hour. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but see, it doesn't. You don't have to get into it an, and a part of the country
1: to do. No, this you do stuff. not. No, that's that's a yeah, that's a universal. Somebody somewhere mumbles. No matter what, the, number five. No what they're speaking.
0: Number five, Brett. Give me, give me, give me monotone. Who?
1: <clears throat> so you see, um, while I was on guard duty last night, I saw these guys. They climbed over the wall, and then they were like, "Hey, man, let's go to the bar. I think we just got into town for free." My partner and I, Thomas, we chased him for a bit, but they got away. <laughs> <laughs> like, Wait, what? What? (laughs) Really? you hear that. You hear that? Okay.
0: Yeah, see? You could relate to these guys after a while. You almost get a picture of your head of what they look like just by the way they talk.
1: Yeah. Yes, you do. (laughs) Yeah, you do.
0: All right, Brett. Here's an easy one, which you already did. This is your mom. Oh, speed.
1: Oh, Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, I was on guard duty last night, and these guys coming over to the tower, and then they came over to the top, and I didn't know what was going on. So I called Thomas. and said, "Hey, Thomas, look, at these guys are coming over the top. We got to go, we'll take a look at them. We can't just come in. It's like two silver legged. I mean, we got to get Brett. Yes, slow. <laughs> slow, slow speed. Oh, that's slow,
0: <clears throat> slow it down, Brett.
1: So you see, the first thing you need to realize <sighs> before you head out into the wild. You uh, you need a guide. There's there's no way you'll make it past the first marker.
0: Yeah, bravo, <laughs> Thank bravo, you. yeah, bravo. Brett Brett's doing a good job. All right, number seven. All right. Now what? Now we won't make Brett do the number seven. Okay. But number 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 seven is repeating all of those with a bit of an accent.
1: Oh so yeah. So you would
0: you would take right. So then you would say you know. Speak with a different expression, trying in a different accent. Yep. Speaking with a different posture, with a different accent. So then, then you're coming up with tons of more different types of characters.
1: Yeah, mix two or three together, and blam. Right. Uh, number eight.
0: This is where I think goes to a little bit of what Brett was talking about in trying to keep track of all the accents if you're a game master, and that is if you can think of an actor or actress that you're modeling them after, or a character. Yes, in a movie. You don't give the character the the same name or anything, but you 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 think, oh, and, you know, frankly, one thing that would really come in handy is if you got a deck of cards with with famous characters on them and you just flip through the cards and you needed a voice and you wanted to imitate them, you would just flip up and you'd be like, oh, it's De Niro from I don't know. Some De Niro movie, right? One of his popular characters or Jim Carrey as Ace Ventura or something ridiculous. Yes. So when you meet somebody, they talk like the character that's been in a movie, but they, and they may put one and one together, two and two together. But at the same time, your rendition of that imitation is probably not going to be that good so they may not actually make the connection, but you have made an individual voice in and for that particular character or NPC.
1: I will tell you who I like to do that stuff with is one of the reasons I'll watch, um, like the Lord of the Rings movies. I'll rewatch them, or even God help me, the Newer Hobbit movie. When I watch them, <clears throat> I'm looking for NPCs, the supporting cast, because I'm like, you know, how did how did the guy who played Barleyman Butterbur? In this version of Lord of the Rings versus this version versus this audio drama, audiobooks are great for this too. Listen to how a a voice actor reads a certain character type and see if you can mock it or ape it in some fashion. Not mock is make funny. Just try to copy, copy, better term. See what you can do to copy it. Um, But I look at like the NPCs when they come in this and I go, boy, that guy was kind of cool. That was kind of neat even in the uh I just saw the the first John Wick movie not that long ago I bought it cuz it was on sale I'm like oh this is that was actually pretty cool Ian McShane that man's voice is amazing and his character in that movie is really cool and I watched it once and I'm like I need to watch that movie again and there's like two or three scenes with Ian in it I'm like I want to see how McShane acts as that character one more time because he's like this wonderful semi pivotal little piece and the way he behaves it's just, it's just interesting, and those are some really good people to grab onto because then, like, oh, you sound like Keanu Reeves from that movie. No, you're actually sounding like somebody who didn't even, you know, I'm sounding like the bellhop because the bellhop was funny. Take the bellhop's thing or the guy at the front desk or whatever it is. Take the NPCs out of the movie or the TV show and use those voices, and people aren't always going to go, oh, you sound like the guy from The Flash. Well, maybe if you really paid attention type of thing.
0: One thing I did not put in the eight is you could do pitch so you could higher the pitch, lower the pitch, but typically that starts to get into some, I think that starts to get into the comfort zone a little bit accents and, and, and pitch the other stuff, speed, you slow it up, you make pauses, you know, maybe you have a habit, uh, like a Twitch of some kind as a character where you always has a, you, maybe you have a catch word, when there's weird pauses that you always throw that catchword in
1: you know yeah you know you know yeah you know. or like yeah like 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 Sound like a valley girl
0: you know you like
1: the, the the physical component of it too is I've done this, I can get away with this more in person than online. Unless everyone's watching the camera online. If you're standing up at a game table like I am or you're running or sitting or whatever, like, oh god, I don't know. You kinda of put one hand behind your neck, you kinda of rub your neck like that salesman is like, Oh geez, I just don't know if I can close this deal. I gotta I'll run the numbers by my boss, but I don't I I I don't know. I just don't know. Those hand gestures of the throw your hands up, acting futile. Shrink your shoulders. You know your neck down and your shoulders. Those little pieces that go and it comes naturally. Um, when you're changing the tone, the pitch, the approach, or your big face smiley voice guy, whatever it is, I think that all kind of plays into it. So that
0: yeah, that's that's it. good stuff, man. I like that. Yeah. So tell us how you may or may not incorporate. Like you do, or you may incorporate voice into your player character or NPCs, we would be more than happy to do that. And maybe, I'm guessing, I'm just going put, to put this out on a limb, that some of the most memorable moments in role-playing games or your role-playing game probably has to do with that one character or NPC you ran into that just had maybe a different voice that uh, sticks out in your memory. Let's get into die roll, Brett.
1: Sounds
0: good. All right, die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming, geekery, and inspiration we want to bring to you. Brett's got one. I got two. We got five from listeners. Brett, go ahead, man.
1: Yeah, so um, I had played Hobbit Tales today with my two youngest kids. I mentioned this game before, and I talked about it on the show before, but I want to put a link out there. Cubicle 7 makes it. It's a card game, excuse me, <laughs> it's a standalone, or it can be actually played with the one-ring role-playing game that Cubicle 7 does as well. Now, the uh, the fun bit about that game, to me, is that it's a story structure game. Um, the way my kids and I play it, they just want to tell stories. So, you basically, you get a handful of cards, your opponents, or people who have some um, what trials, tribulations, you know, bad things could happen to you, encounters. They have a small handful of cards. You pick your cards, you pick the beginning the ending, and you start laying cards and telling a story. Well, this was a time when a party of bold adventurers went out into the wilds, and each card has a couple symbols on it. And then your opponents look at their hand and go, oh, I have a card I can play on that. Well, that time in the wild, Sean, wasn't it the time that you had to face down those wild wargs, roll the die, see if it happens? Yes, it was. Damn it, lost that card, got to pick up other ones. It gets You can plot a story, and when... If your opponents, basically, if they're throwing all these different encounters and such, they could eat up the cards in your hand and you're randomly drawing them off the top of the deck and just totally ad-libbing the shit out of stuff. My daughter, as I've said before on the show, loves writing stories. My son likes coming up with crazy backstories, and I love doing this. And it's a really fun way for me spending time with my kids, and I could easily play this with, with grownups as well, but just to sharpen your you know, ad hoc story chops. Can you make up something on the spot? it's fun and i really think it's i think it's a really great game. so anyway, link in the show notes out to that if you find it, if you get a chance to try it out, i think it's worth a shot. Sean, over to you sir.
0: 20 board game makers chime in. What i wish i'd known before starting my board game. An article on makeboardgame.com. So check that out if you're interested in making a board game, maybe getting some insight into ones that may have encountered obstacles that they wish they had known about ahead of time. And now you can learn from them. Number two, orc generator create 20 orcs in 20 seconds using campaign logger and fantasy name generator. So uh, these are all links that you can go to and our tools on roleplayingtips.com. Check that out. Links in the show notes, of course. Then we've got some from listeners. Brett wanna start us off with the first yeah, one.
1: Yeah, DM Matt gave us one about Siberia's doorway to the underground that is rapidly growing. Link in the show notes. Um there's so much cool, like real life shit that's happening. Um, where odd things being found, crazy things being located, whatnot, just bizarre stories. God I love the internet some days. It's this vast landscape in eastern Siberia. There's this hole in the ground that's called the doorway to the underworld. Um, It just seems to be, it's kind of the permafrost change and how things are, it's just growing and expanding.
0: Sean, next one. Uh, Miniatures from one of the greatest fantasy movies ever, uh, provided by James Carruthers. Check that out. I think, uh, what is the greatest movie ever that he's got miniatures pointing out
1: there? Oh my God. It's time it's robbers, like, time ro- Oh, I think this is time, ta- time rob. I think bandits? it's time bandits. These look like... Oh, these are guys from time bandits. Oh, my God. Yes, they are. Okay. Very cool. But I think they call... You're right. I think
0: they call them time robbers. They do. But yeah, I don't want to infringe on any IP. We
1: don't care about that. Um. <laughs> so, Pierre Mongrel and Mr. Pemberfoot all pointed out Axe Bane's Deck of Many Dungeons. Link in the show notes to that. There's some... There's some... I, Said the golden age many times a role play man, but there's some cool ass shit out there. It's packed with random tables and illustrated in full color. It's a deck of fifty four cards, can generate over one million different dungeons. All for fifteen bucks. Hell I might have to get. it's over at the Game Crafter. And I love the guys at Game Crafter. If it weren't for the Game Crafter Just go over and buy it. Just go over and pick one up. Well the other thing is if it weren't for Game Crafter, I wouldn't have had an application to uh well, that's uh that's what I run Evercon off of, is the is the uh, tabletop stuff that they do. Anyway. Sue, next one's yours. Those guys are doing; those guys are doing good work Damn over right there. They do.
0: Stefan Dragonspawn tells us about a nuclear submarine plans found in Welsh charity shop.
1: I love that stuff.
0: <laughs> love. I, I just got to go to Goodwill and Saint Vinny's and start like uncovering these ancient mysteries that are submitted in piles of people's donations.
1: And speaking of, if you're into old games, out of print stuff, board games especially. My buddy Zave has found, he found like a 1920s near mint condition bizarre little pocket game that was made. And uh, I showed it to Frank Menzner and Tom Wom, one Gen Con, like, oh my God, that thing's really rare. Oh, where'd you find it? He goes, I got it for 25 cents at Goodwill. like, ah, son of a bitch. I have found box sets of D&D at garage sales. I have found... Um, board games at Goodwill, Saint Vinny's type of thing. Where people are just giving shit away because i oh, they clean out grandma's house or dad's place or whatever, they're just piling stuff up and getting rid of it. There you could find some crazy stuff there. If not even if it's just a partial game, nice way to find some free minis. Anyway, last up, Azrael Arrocha points us to Jim McClure's Eight Steps to Build an RPG plot. Got a link in the show notes. Jim was on the last episode of Mr. Mark, which is pretty cool. I like Jim and uh, his work. And this is a this is a pretty good piece. Uh just to kind of read through if you haven't listened to the Misdirected Mark episode, go back give that a listen, but this is uh this little link to those pieces in there. And that was one of the reasons that brought me to actually play Hobbit Tales with my kids again. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I like making up stories and doing that stuff and the kids love doing it." So anyway, so there you go. And there you have it. And there you have it exactly though. No. All
0: right, then. Sponsored by Gamehole. <laughs> I have a gaming convention coming to Madison, Wisconsin, in November, the first weekend. Why don't you come over to Madison, Wisconsin and join us? <laughs> It'll be a good time. Lots of guests, plenty of gaming. Three and a half day con. Thanks for the gang at Hall allowing us to be a part of their convention. Uh, next week... Rat? Is he frantically types it I in said, there? Not sure when, yet. What, we're gonna put in there.
1: I'm not sure. We've had a couple good ones this episode, right? Just talking about you know who really runs the game and a couple other things. We've got some more stuff in our player series to pull out. I think we're gonna have to we'll have to take this one offline, Sean, and have a discussion outside of here. No need to have it in front of everybody. I think we can bring this meeting to a close and wrap this up.
0: Yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, so another episode of Gaming NBS.
1: This is Wrapped Up. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all.
0: This episode and others brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rotemacher, Forrest Gary Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, The Knights of the Night Crew, and Jason Blaylock, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs-Hobbs, Merkel Freulich, Wayne Humfleet, James Carpio, Pure Mongro, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Dissaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, Eileen Barnes, Chad Knight, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Nicholas Abruzzo, Victor Wyatt, Tony Baker, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz, Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Brassett, Mr. Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, The Tabletop Game Talk Podcast, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Evan Harrison, Cass, Finolf and Ray Otis. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Consider going to GamingMBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, listeners. This This has been a Litterbox studio Studio
1: production.